0: There is an unacceptable acceptance of having recurrent seizures and not opting for uh, something like epilepsy surgery.
1: Fellow Homo sapiens, today we are talking about epilepsy surgery in India and what holds many people there from having it, with neurologist and epileptologist AJ Asrana from the National Institute of Mental Health and Neurosciences in Bangalore in India. Thank you very much for joining us today, AJ Asrana. Could you please tell us all a bit about yourself?
0: I am Dr. AJ Asrana i am a neurologist and epileptologist i'm based in bangalore which is uh, in the southern state of india and i work as an assistant professor of neurology at uh, the national institute of mental health and neurosciences uh, which is at bangalore india
1: can you tell us what has brought your focus to the epilepsies what gives what brings your passion to that
0: i've always had a fascination for the brain and to uh, try and understand how the brain works and that is what attracted me to neurology in the first place. And then when I was training in neurology, I learned more about brain networks and things. And I realized that uh, epilepsy is a good, uh, you know, it gives us a good vantage point to look at the various brain networks. And it is one area where you can, uh, you know, understand the brain from up close, so to speak. Uh, As you know, that we have uh, various ways of trying and interpreting the Uh, signals from the brain. It can be through EEG, um, which which can be placed on the surface of the brain, or even intracranial EEG, where you record from the depths of the brain. And so uh, that is something that was very fascinating to me. And I was fortunate enough to be trained in a center, which was uh, doing very good uh, work in epilepsy surgery. Uh, which was in Trivandrum, in the state of Kerala.
1: You uh, personally sent a couple of papers to me about epilepsy and epilepsy surgery in India, and I wanted to ask you um, about the challenges for for people with epilepsy in India, people who require epilepsy surgery, and what can hold them back?
0: India has a very, uh, very uh, large population, so we have about 1.4 billion people in India, and then uh, the prevalence of epilepsy is also quite high. So uh, by, by some estimates, um, uh, we think that uh, maybe nearly uh, every year we have about 5 lakh people uh, developing epilepsy in India. And uh, about uh, maybe uh, one third of them will develop some sort of uh, drug refractory epilepsy. So we could say that uh, maybe 1.3 to 1.5 million people in India could benefit from epilepsy surgery. So that's the, uh, that's the challenge. And we have about 1,000, uh, it's a rough estimate, about 1,000 epilepsy surgeries being done throughout the country in India. And, and every year it is getting better. We have more centers doing epilepsy surgery now. But uh, despite that, uh, this is what we call as the surgical gap that's quite high in India because of the uh, sheer number of people um, who need uh, care.
1: Is it solely the, sol- the huge number of people who require surgery or are there other contributors to the lack of surgery being performed?
0: We have a number of problems, like uh, uh, we can say that there is a knowledge gap and then there is a feasibility gap. The knowledge gap is regarding the awareness. So awareness of epilepsy itself is not, uh, it's not even uh, throughout India. You see, we have a very diverse kind of population. We have diverse settings, uh, diversity in um, uh, region, uh, culture, and then in socioeconomic status. And then the beliefs in epilepsy is different. There's a lot of stigma attached to epilepsy. And then our understanding of epilepsy is different uh, in many parts of the country and how they approach the treatment is also different in that sense. The first step is a big problem. So the awareness of the disease itself is the problem in some cases. That is step one. So there there are also people who have good understanding of epilepsy as well, uh, but then they may not know that epilepsy is something that can be treated with surgery. And that awareness has not yet uh, percolated. That can be with the uh, patient or the family of the patient per se, or it could even be with the doctor who is treating the patient. So that that awareness has to really go out there and it has to percolate for people to understand that.
1: Not enough people being referred for surgery may be down to um, what you've just mentioned, so families, culture, etc. And how much might be down to lack of understanding and knowledge of clinicians?
0: It's very difficult to put it up in numbers, but uh, especially in India, in, in most parts of the country, I think at least 80% may be because of uh, a lack of understanding on the part of the patient and the family. Uh, and then maybe there are about 20, uh, 25%. These are uh, absolutely, I have no uh, hard evidence to base this on and uh, it's just a speculation. But uh, I think that might be something like that because what happens is sometimes, they reach uh, even a tertiary care center like where I practice, and then we offer them epilepsy surgery, and then we still see that reluctance so 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 uh, I believe that there is uh, on the part of the patient uh, i think the, uh, the the knowledge gap is higher we
1: certainly have a lot of people here in the u k who and other countries that I work with australia states Canada a lot of families who feel very similar and are very nervous about the idea of surgery let alone actually them having surgery or their or their loved one ha- having surgery because people just don't um, I this is another generalization but lots of us have no idea about you know the risks versus the potential benefits and it's all like risk 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 rather than Um, And I've said this in other podcasts before, my neurologist said to me and told me that my life expectancy wasn't great without it, and which I loved, like that he actually told me that. And that helped me make the decision. I don't think many uh, clinicians can actually say that to a patient and many patients can take it, but... I think that's maybe a message that needs to be conveyed in some way, um, that life expectancy is um, seriously affected, um, whether it be down to the potential for accidents, whether it be SUDEP, sudden unexpected death in epilepsy for people who aren't aware, and also quality of life.
0: Absolutely. So uh, there's so much more to epilepsy surgery than controlling of seizures. So uh, it is very important to control seizures, as you rightly said. I think the, um, so that is a term that was used in one of the papers. Where there, there is an unacceptable acceptance of epilepsy, of having recurrent seizures mm. and not opting for mm. uh, something like epilepsy surgery. And so that uh, reason uh, reasons may be multifold. And uh, that is something that we need to be, uh, you know, going out there and trying to convince people that epilepsy or recurrent seizures is not something that has to be taken lightly. It comes with increased risks of SUDEP, increased risk of accidents, which can happen anywhere from drowning to accidents on the road. It could be dangerous for you or somebody who is, uh, another person who's on the road, especially if you're driving and things. So I think uh, this is something that has to be taken into consideration. And of course, the quality of life part is well established by many studies. And uh, in fact, uh, I also had a paper on uh, the effect of epilepsy surgery on sleep. Even something like sleep uh, is also affected by uh, epilepsy and and definitely you sleep better. And then a lot of things improve your, uh, it has uh, uh, good effects on uh, overall, if you look at the memory, or it could even be uh, uh, how you can uh, uh, join back uh, in terms of occupation or even uh, how, how productive you can be in life. So all these things are uh, also related to seizure freedom. And that is not something that uh, we should uh, be taking lightly.
1: It's very clear that lots of people will not achieve seizure freedom as a result of epilepsy. There is always, you know, the, the case that that might happen. And lots of um, patients, uh, well, all patients should be told about that or carers should be told about that prior. And yeah, I see you agree with that. Um, but you have to like weigh up the pros and cons. So for instance, in my case, I have far fewer seizures and I, my quality of life has improved significantly as a result of surgery. And I consider it a complete and utter success despite that fact, because my expectations were managed.
0: So we need to be realistic uh, when we say, what are the outcomes we're looking at? So the best outcomes we have uh, is in terms of temporal lobe epilepsy, where we have uh, about 70 to 80% uh, success rate of, of getting complete seizure freedom, but then even in the rest of 20%, it is substantial reduction in seizure. So, so there is something, uh, some advantage to be had in any sort of reduction of seizures. So, uh, while we may not be able to attain complete seizure freedom in all cases, uh, even a substantial reduction matters. And then what also matters is how early you do the surgery. So, there are many factors which affect the outcome of epilepsy surgery. And one of the most important factors is uh, the duration of epilepsy uh, before you underwent surgery. So there has been some evidence to point to the fact that if uh, if the epilepsy surgery is done within five years of a patient becoming drug refractory, uh, which is the failure of two anti-epileptic medications, which are well chosen and the correct dosage, and then they are uh, not able to control the seizures, in which case you undergo a pre-surgical evaluation and find out that, okay, you are a good candidate for epilepsy surgery, and if you undergo surgery within five years, there's a good chance of seizure freedom, as opposed to getting it done later at a later point in time, maybe 10 years or 15 years down the line. And there are multiple uh, uh, things which, which may be irreversible, like the effect on, uh, the, the, on the psychiatric comorbidities, or other uh, comorbidities which may be irreversible at a later point in time so all these factors uh, matter and these should be factored in when you are trying and explaining somebody of what sort of uh, you know what what outcome to expect
1: I wish that I'd had the opportunity to have surgery at an earlier stage because I'm completely with you, AJ, what you just said. There are so many other th- negative things in life that potentially could have been avoided. And, you know, especially the, what you were saying, the psychiatric issues that many people have, you know, perhaps things wouldn't, you know, have in my case, gotten so severe. And I'm sure that's the case for so, so many patients. So, well, it's been absolutely lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. And this just little glimpse into the similarities but differences between uh, what it's like for people with epilepsy to have epilepsy surgery or not and access to that surgery. And yeah, if anybody has any questions, um, we have um, AJ's links down below under this recording. And please get in touch or message AJ and I'm sure, yeah, if you've got any questions, he'll be able to answer those.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, you're an inspiration to all people out there with epilepsy and I hope more and more people realize